Ruling by fiat, orders ending liberty, bills to tax rights, a president signing bills he has no idea what's inside, ordered by his VP in front of the press? Has anybody here seen our old friend John? All may not be lost, but it will be a fight. And the man on point is Dan Newman. That would be me. You would be who we're speaking with today, not at, speaking to... But we're speaking with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to TNN Live, a production Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. And um, we do it for you. We're so glad you chose to be a part of this show today. You do such things every day. And that's a good thing. First of all, please understand this. I know it's a big sacrifice to spend two hours a day listening to an old man talk about things that he sees and things that he unburies. I don't take that for granted. Nobody at Truth News Network does not appreciate your being here, your listening, your reading, everything you do with us. And it's a joint effort. We can't do it alone. We don't intend to do it alone, and we will not do it alone. That means we require you. (laughs) Well, is there, could there, be more chaos than what we've watched over the past six months. I, I really don't think there could be. What could be worse than the political landscape we're looking at today? Unless, unless it was an all-out war. And God forbid that anything like that happen again to the United States of America. Too many good Americans, young men, young women, have paid the ultimate price in battle defending the rights that the sycophants in the streets of the United States, big cities especially, are fighting to do away with men and women. And the hundreds of thousands have given their lives through 270 years to preserve the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. No, it doesn't guarantee happiness, but it gives everyone the right to pursue all the things that you want to pursue within the law. We've morphed into something that I don't believe our forefathers ever thought would happen. They knew it could happen because they left an establishment and government in Northern Europe when they came over here to get away from that. They left it, and it's beginning to look more and more just like what they ran away from. But thankfully, there are a lot of people that gripe about internet news, online news, talk shows. But you know what? Those are the things that have pretty much kept this nation abreast of what's really going on. I mean, all you got to do is look at what happened yesterday one more time, another big school board meeting up in Loudoun, Virginia. Parents in the hundreds came out to go speak their minds in front of those school board members, their disdain for critical race theory that's being crammed down the throats of their kids. And it got to be so raucous, not threatening, but people were so upset and still are so upset about this drivel that the school board and their teachers around the county 
or forcing down the throats of those children. Critical race theory. What does it boil down to? Basically, it says, folks, if you're white, you're racist, period. And then the entire balance of the critical race theory curriculum is to teach white people how not to be white because you don't want to be white when you grow up because being white when you grow up means you're evil and you've got to be destroyed. I, I, somebody's listening. I know from somewhere and saying you're, that's an overreach, Dan. You're not being honest. You're making things up. No, 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 no. That's exactly what they believe. Don't listen to me. Yeah, remember, I'm that old white guy, right? (laughs) You need to listen to them. Them being the purveyors of wokeness and whiteness. And we brought them to the show today. (laughs) In just a moment, we're going to let you listen to them and try to understand the true meanings of wokeness and whiteness. Let me just give you a heads up of what's going on today. There's a lot happening around the world. There's COVID-19 news. There's lawlessness news. There's news at the southern border and legislation that didn't come out of the United States Senate yesterday that Democrats really wanted to. We've got that and a whole lot more. Russia has been emboldened after Vladimir Putin, their president's meeting in Geneva with our president, Joe Biden, and they're I mean, they're flexing their muscles, as is China. Dr. Fauci's out on the main stage once again. And there's news coming from those that were caught up and arrested during that January 6th riot at the Capitol. All that being said, before we go any further, let me tell those of you who may not listen in every day, beginning Monday of last week, all of our shows, two hours entirely, each day, Monday through Friday, are available to you in addition to being available at our website. If, you're, if you've got an iPhone, you've got an iTunes account, you can go to iTunes iPodcast and just type in the search bar TNN Live. It'll take you right to our set of podcasts. And those are every day, the same show that you listen to live when you can come. But you can listen anytime, anywhere, via the internet, there, and the same thing holds true for Spotify. Just want to make sure everybody knows about that. Let's get back to this whiteness, this wokeness. I'm really, I'm really doing my darndest to figure out what wokeness is, what whiteness is, what the differences are, and what the purpose is for labeling people with either name, woke or whiteness. Listen closely to these experts that explain it like I could never. Whiteness is not phenotypic whiteness. There's white people and there's people who happen to be white, for sure. Anyone that is born in the world, because whiteness is global, can absolutely abide by tenets of whiteness. This is why we have Candace Owens. This is why we have Daniel J. Cameron. This is why we have black folks who will say critical race theory is trash. I'm still just really confused by whiteness. I'm sorry, like... Whiteness represents... White guilt, white fragility, white supremacy, white violence. Uh, All of these things are now synonymous with whiteness, which I see as a stand-in for white supremacy. Does that full breakdown make it a little bit clearer? Yeah, it's it's a, yes, it's a theory. Okay, yes. It's not a theory. 
There are white people who are not as powerful as the system of white people, the caste system that's been put in place, but they still, no matter where they are on the rung or the ladder of success, they still have their whiteness. You still have your whiteness. That's what the, that's what the term white privilege is. It means that whiteness still gives you an advantage no matter what. If you are not careful, your children will live their whole life white. And at 26, 27, they'll end up being a part of the problem because you just let them and allowed them to live a completely white, sheltered and cultureless life. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now I have a dream that we will implement love, not hate, or supporting another Jim Crow's agenda. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not impress, oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving, without deceiving people. Today, we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we asked for today, to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet respectfully. It's basically teaching kids to hate our country and to hate each other based on race. It puts race as the most important thing. I want content of character to be the most important thing. I want to treat people as individuals, and I want the history of our country taught accurately. Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. Those last two segments of that soundbite were Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican of Florida, talking about government stepping in in the state of Florida and doing away or forbidding critical race theory to be taught in their classrooms. The woman you heard right before him was a parent testifying before the Loudoun County School Board up in Virginia. She very obviously is dead set against critical race theory. The first, I guess, minute or so that you listened to were people, white people, explaining to you and me the evils of whiteness. Now, this is about a minute long. I want you to listen to this segment again, and we'll stop it before the other half of the segment. But I want you to listen to exactly what they are saying to explain to you wokeness and whiteness. Whiteness is not phenotypic whiteness. There's white people and there's people who happen to be white, for sure. Anyone that is born in the world, because whiteness is global, can absolutely abide by tenets of whiteness. This is why we have Candace Owens. This is why we have Daniel J. Cameron. This is why we have black folks who will say critical race theory is trash. I'm still just really confused by whiteness. I'm sorry, like... Whiteness represents white guilt, white fragility, white supremacy white violence. Uh, All of these things are now synonymous with whiteness, which I see as a stand-in for white supremacy. Okay. Okay. Let's drill down real quick. The first woman that you heard speak there said, anybody that's born white can adopt 
whiteness. Doesn't have to. Isn't born with it. And you know what? Her taking that approach, that goes, that flies in the face of the brilliant ones that created whiteness that say anybody that's born white is just guilty of whiteness because their skin is white. Do you follow the difference? What she said, folks, the first woman, is absolutely true. Anybody that's white can do what they are saying whiteness automatically is. If somebody adopts whiteness, you can pick up the tenets of severe racism, critical race theory, um, white supremacy. Anybody can do that now, folks. Just like if you're black, you can pick up the hatred for people that are not black. But it doesn't mean your skin color makes you adopt those mindsets. Those are mindsets. They are voluntary. Nobody is born afflicted with whiteness. Nobody is born being afflicted with racism. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I got to be honest with you, still to this day, nobody's taken the challenge that I've issued here several times at TNN Live. If you want to talk to me about systemic racism, if you want our audience to see, hear, understand systemic racism and show us evidence that proves there is systemic racism in any place in the United States, educate us, teach us, show us, nobody will even do it because it can't be done. Systems don't make choices. People that conduct, create, and operate systems make choices, and they can use their own personal racist ideas within the systems. It's exactly the same thing as this mantra that the left have been pushing for decades about guns. Folks, give me one example in U.S. history where a gun used itself to shoot somebody. It doesn't happen. Now, there have been gun accidents where a loaded gun is dropped and it accidentally discharges and hits somebody. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about purposeful shooting somebody. Not an accidental thing, but purposely shooting somebody. Guns aren't the problem. Racism isn't the problem. If nobody picked racism up, it wouldn't even exist in operation among us. It wouldn't be there because it takes somebody or somebodies to pick it up and say, I want that, and just, it's like a shirt. You put one arm in and put the other arm in, pull it around in the front and button it up, you voluntarily put the shirt on. Lots of people, millions of people, Every morning when they get up, they go to the closet and they grab a shirt of racism, a shirt of Islamophobia, homophobia, all of those isms, xenophobia, and they put it on. But they don't have to. They choose to. I'm not sure we'll ever get to the truth of all of this and get people to understand. And honestly, those on the left don't want us to understand They don't want people to grasp it. They want to be able to just look at you and make you feel like you're evil because of your skin color. That's the beginning and the end of it. 
Well, there's a lot of it still going on. I know you heard about the school board meeting that happened up in Virginia in Loudoun County yesterday. It was raucous. The school board in Loudoun County, they've just been getting pummeled from parents up there, parents of kids that are in their county schools, and those county schools have been teaching critical race theory, making their white kids feel like they're just automatically evil and hating whiteness. And you can't change your skin color. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson did his darndest, but when he died, he was African-American and was black. This meeting yesterday, it followed weeks of protest from district parents who oppose some of the measures which they've criticized as potential left-wing indoctrination and a violation of parental rights, critical race theory. The policies affect transgender student rights, privacy, restroom accommodations, and would require, if they're adopted, Loudoun County Public Schools employees to use students' preferred names and or pronouns. So in other words, you can't say he or she, and a whole lot more for that matter. An official school board vote on the proposal is not expected until at least August 10th. But it's become a hot button, not just a hot button, the hot button issue in the district. 259 residents signed up to speak yesterday during this public comment session. And people lined up at the doors early to get seats in the packed auditorium. The first half dozen speakers, and you've probably seen on national news one or two of those speakers, the first six were in total support of a policy proposal 8040, but fireworks erupted when the seventh, who identified herself as the mother of a transgender Loudon student, was booed after she said hate was dripping from the followers of Jesus in this room. In other words, Again, another stereotype. Slap a label on somebody's house. You you like Jesus? You follow Jesus? You're a racist. You're a transphobe. The board called a five-minute recess to let things cool off, but they didn't cool off. After the recess, board chair Brenda Sheridan, she is really under fire. She said members had voted unanimously to end public comment if the room erupted again. The board is here to hear from everyone, she said. We started the meeting early because we knew we would have a large crowd and we had a large agenda. We ask again that you respect each other and everyone is allowed to speak. So those moms and dads, they began to approach the podium to weigh in on both sides of the transgender proposal. But others brought up several other high-profile incidents in the community. Bunch of parents asked the district to drop its appeal of a court order to reinstate teacher Tanner Cross, who was suspended after speaking out publicly against the proposal. They argued, fighting the judge, waste of taxpayers' money, and doomed to fail. Oh, anytime you are sure something's going to fail, forget about the merits of what you're trying to get done. Just because it may not pass, you just quit, right? Another woman urged several board members who are facing a recall effort, by the way. She encouraged them to resign, save taxpayers more money. Others blasted one district official who made threatening internet searches 
on a district smartphone. A former state senator named Dick Black, who is a Republican, he went after the board over its treatment of Cross, that teacher, and also allegations that progressive community members, in other words, Democrats, had organized a list of their conservative neighbors to harass and publicly shame. The chamber erupted in cheers, prompting the board to vote nine to nothing to end public comment for the rest of the meeting, which led to loud chants of shame on you directed at the board and demand that all those members resign. The huge number of conservative moms and dads in the room, they started singing the Star Spangled Banner as the board members filed out of the room, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And by the way, it was revealed after the fact that the school board bussed people in to stand outside the meeting room to keep these people from pouring into the meeting room, conservative people. It's going to be it's going to be unbelievable. It is nowhere near being over. And the atmosphere in that room, OMG, you could cut it with a knife. Anger. I didn't sense a lot of hatred, but I sensed and saw and heard people acting out in anger. Anger at this stuff that's being shoved down the throats of their kids. I got to be honest with you folks. We all know where this thing started. I've explained it to you, this education system that has morphed into being an indoctrination system, a propaganda system in large part. Now, I'm not saying everybody in education is evil. I'm not saying everybody is bad. But I will tell you this, the large part of the people that are teaching and taking care of our kids when we drop them off at school every day, they're in the tank for this stuff. They believe it. Why do you think they fight the idea, the concept of freedom of choice for school? You know why. They want our kids to stay right where they are now if they're going to public school because it's their calling to indoctrinate them on the evils of not being far left. Their term, progressive, I call it leftist. And they came from my generation, the 60s and the early 70s. That's when Vietnam was going on and Vietnam gladly ended because none of the kids from that generation understood it, and justifiably so. It was a government sham in which people in Washington, D.C. saw a way to make billions of dollars on the backs of the young people of America they sent to Southeast Asia to fight. Many of them died, those that came back scarred for life in many, many ways, and it was just because of the greed of Americans. And they reached, they reacted. They reached out fighting against it. Many of those went to college, hating the system, hating the government, hating the guidance of the politicians then. And they took those ideas and concepts of hatred of putting a system in place that would never allow a Vietnam and that culture that went with it that was meaningless. We didn't even know what we were fighting for over there. And they swore they were going to pour their ideas. And many of them, folks, many of them 
are just hardcore Marxist. You know what Marxism is? Totalitarianism. And they want to do away with the free enterprise, the free market system here, an economy that works bottom-up instead of top-down. They want it top-down. They want to put people in power in Washington, D.C. and in state houses around the nation that are all about creating a universal government with the same identical ideas, rules, laws, regulations from coast to coast. Forget about political parties. And let this government take dollars and cents from Americans and decide on their own how to spend it for every American top to bottom. That's what this is all about. Building power. Hanging on to the power you have and making sure you gain control and you stay in control to the very end. Wow. Enough about CRT. Enough about this stuff. We got bigger fish to fry. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, yeah, that was a big, big, big deal that came down in Washington yesterday in the U.S. Senate. It's about that voting bill. We'll talk a little bit about the bill. You know it didn't pass. In fact, it never was even voted on because Senate Republicans filibustered it successfully. But there's a lot of other stuff that's hanging out there that are just as big, maybe even bigger. That and a whole lot more. Don't go anywhere. Back in just a couple of minutes here at TNN Live. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs? Bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying value drink. Price participation may vary. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. The voice we need more than ever. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. I don't know about that. I appreciate everybody that 
joins in every day here, no doubt about it. This is group effort, folks. This is not a solo thing, I promise you that. Well, we all knew H.R. 1, that very egregious and uh, insulting voter bill that passed in the House of Representatives, was over on the Senate side. They've been debating it, talking about it, talking about it, and arguing about amendments, what's bad in it, what's good in it, all those kind of things. And basically what it is, folks, is just a 100% takeover of the election system in the nation that has been the obligation and responsibility of each of the 50 individual states since the Constitution was signed and put into effect. They want to take it and give it all to the federal government so they could take care of the election system. Across the nation, in droves, American citizens are dead set against it. So the fragility in the uh, control political party control of the Senate really was a scary situation because all it takes is a 50-50 tie and half 50 of the people in the Senate are Republicans, half are Democrats. All it would take was to get a Democrat, one, to come across the street and they felt like they would be in trouble. However, it was determined, it was determined by the official in the Senate that oversees it that this was one of the issues that was going to require a 60-vote margin. And so the Democrats have been working diligently trying to get enough Republicans to come across and vote yes on getting it to the floor for a vote. And thankfully, that did not happen. So, did it get beat? Did it get defeated? Technically, no. But because it was stopped being deliberated on the House floor, that didn't happen. Um, you can't you can't have a vote on a bill unless it comes to the floor. The body agrees to let it come to the floor. It's the same thing on the other side of the aisle, the House of Representatives. It has to be voted to come to the floor. Any issue to be debated, uh, discussion about possible amendments, yada, 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 and then they vote on whether to pass it or not. Senate Bill S-1 is not even going to see that. So what was it all about, literally? And where do we stand? Well, they call it For the People Act. It's a sweeping bill that would change everything about our U.S. voting laws. And it was co-sponsored by every Democrat except Senator Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat from West Virginia. He called it too partisan, and he proposed another one, his own election-related bill, although he ultimately voted to allow debate on the bill. Manchin said earlier yesterday he would vote to approve the measure because he wanted the Senate to debate talks with Senate Majority Leader Schumer and found common ground with my Democratic colleagues, he said, on a new version of the bill that ensures our elections are fair, accessible, and secure. So during the Senate session, Vice President Harris presided over the vote. However, she wasn't able to cast a tie-breaking vote as Republicans invoked the filibuster which needs 60 votes to overcome, as I just explained. So Republicans' move to allow the Senate to debate the bill will likely trigger a more intense pressure against Manchin and fellow moderate Senator Kirsten Sinema, Democrat of Arizona, to eliminate the filibuster. Both Manchin and Sinema staunchly oppose that happening. That is the only piece of anything that can 
help protect the minority at any time, whoever's the minority anytime, not just when Republicans are in the minority, but it's going to flip, folks. Every Congress is not going to be a Republican Congress. This one's not. Every Congress is not going to be a Democrat Congress. It changes based on the will of the people in each of the 50 states who vote for those who represent them. The filibuster, that requirement that requires 60 votes to get something to the floor to be debated, is critical to keep in place just for the Constitution and the rule of law so that one party will not be shoving legislation over and over and over again down the throats of members of the other party. Protecting, protecting the minorities is the big thing. President Biden, congressional Democrats have said that passing that bill is needed after GOP-led state legislatures have passed several election integrity measures of their own in recent months. I think it's up to 13. Prior to the vote, the president wrote on Twitter that the bill warrants being passed because, his words, democracy is in peril, adding that we need to protect the sacred right to vote and ensure we the people choose who our leaders are going to be. We the people. Republicans have described the bill as a partisan power grab that would fundamentally change how federal elections are conducted. And it would because the feds, federal government, would control every part of the voting process. Constitution, however, says otherwise. And if this bill ever would be passed and signed into law, you can book it. It would be challenged immediately in federal court. And just based on not an interpretation, folks, but the verbiage in the Constitution, it would not be allowed. GOP senators continued with that line of reasoning yesterday. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell leading the way on the floor. They just went back and forth, back and forth. We're done with that. The thing you need to know, what came out of it, which is really important. It didn't get passed, and it won't get passed. While the vote was celebrated, a bunch of Republicans who blasted the bill as partisan power grab, a bunch of news publications adopted the Democrat message, and they used slanted headlines that made the Republicans look like they're voting against voting rights. In June of last year, Senate Democrats used the filibuster to block Republican Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, African-American, only African-American. I take that back. Now, Raphael Warnock from Florida is in the Senate. Tim Scott was the first black man as a senator. He proposed a police reform bill. Democrats used the filibuster to block it. They were in the minority in the Senate. This is before the November 3rd election. News agencies failed to even mention the Democrats' use of the filibuster in their headlines yesterday, and they've often labeled the legislation as a Republican bill. When it came to Republicans blocking Democrats' voting rights bill, news publications didn't even give the same party identifier to the legislation, saying it was a Democrat bill. Axios. When they were reporting on this yesterday, they used this headline, Senate Republicans Block Democrats' Sweeping Voting Rights Bill. 
for Tuesday's vote. But when Democrats blocked the GOB police reform bill, Tim Scott's, it framed the vote as Republicans failing to gain Democrats' support. Senate GOP police reform bill stalls after failing to gain Democratic support. That was Axios's version of reporting on that bill back in June last year. The New York Times, they invoked the filibuster in their coverage of yesterday's vote, but they didn't use it when Democrats filibustered the 2020 police reform bill, that same bill we just talked about. Here's what New York Times said. Republicans used filibuster to block voting rights bill. That was yesterday's report. Senate Democrats block GOP police bill, calling it inadequate. That's how the New York Times framed Democrats using the filibuster back in June last year. And then the Associated Press. They tweeted that Republican lawmakers voted against a bill that, quote, would strike down the hurdles to voting, curb the influence of money in politics, and limit partisan influence over the drawing of congressional districts. But when it came to Democrats being opposed to Senator Scott's bill, the framing was from the Democrats' perspective. Twitter critics unloaded on the framing of yesterday's vote, calling out their skewed coverage. This New York Times framing is insane. That's Ben McDonald tweeted. H.R. 1 is not a voting rights bill, the Daily Caller's Greg Price wrote. It's a sweeping overhaul to voting across the country designed to keep Democrats in power forever. Media, of course, decides to frame it as the former. And it just goes on and on and on and on. It's just more of the same, folks. If you're a Democrat, you automatically, and listen, it's not every Democrat. I'm not maintaining that Democrats are evil or that Democrat leadership is evil. What I'm saying is the perspective Democrats are taught to adopt is if you are someone who disagrees with anything they say we need to do or they say is right, they don't just disagree with you. When a Republican has that issue with Democrats, typically the Republican, if he's gonna, he or she's going to say anything, they'll push back and say, I don't believe in that. The other way around, Democrats, they'll say, I don't believe with that. But then they begin to attack you on a personal basis. You're evil. You're stupid. You're uneducated. You have no idea. They have to make conservatives and conservative thoughts be less than anything that they on the left come up with. They're good. You're bad if you're conservative. We're smart. You're stupid if you're a conservative. We're godly. We're right on target. We're the ones that are in the right. You, if you're conservative, you're evil. Mitch McConnell yesterday said that Republicans voted against the bill because they wanted to make sure Democrats don't impose new voting standards on states that would rig elections in their favor. He called the substance of the nearly 900-page bill rotten to its core, which it is, folks. Anybody in their right mind in this nation would shrink back every time conversations began about giving more power to the federal government. The Constitution was structured 
back in the 17, late 1700s when it was being discussed or whatever. It, the underlying philosophy that our forefathers used throughout that entire process that took years to put together was that we've got to make sure that we control the government by the people. The government doesn't control the people. And the only powers that this government is ever going to have are the ones that we specifically as the people of the United States give to them. They can't seize any power from us. They work for the people. Government in the United States, they promised our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents back then. The government here is going to run this way. It will always be of the people, by the people, and for the people. This bill would have taken that away. Let's move on to some other nut stuff. Joe Biden spent some time in Geneva, spent some time in uh, the U.K., spent some time in Brussels, Belgium, over the last week and a half. He went to the G7. Then he went to Geneva to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. We're not going to rehash that meeting. What came out of it was very obvious. Putin is emboldened by having Joe Biden in the White House. Putin sees Joe Biden as being a weakling, being inept. And it was just a matter of time before Russia was going to start flexing their muscles. Yesterday, one Russian warship and jet interceptor fired warning shots and dropped bombs across the path of a British warship yesterday afternoon. The incident could be the most significant military confrontation between the UK and Russia in years, according to some claims that have been filed by the Interfax News Agency in Moscow. That ship, HMS Defender, a Royal Navy Type 45 air defense destroyer, entered Russian territorial waters. Interfax said the British warship had been warned that weapons would be fired if it entered Russian waters and that a border patrol ship fired twice. Shortly after that, the report came that a Cold War era Russian supersonic interceptor bomber dropped four high explosive fragmentation bombs in front of the ship. The Russians said this, this was a warning. And then a statement afterwards from the Russian Defense Ministry said the destroyer was warned in advance that weapons would be fired in case of a violation of the Russian state border. It disregarded the warning. As a result of joint actions of the Black Sea Fleet and the Border Service of the Russian Federal Security Service, HMS Defender left the territorial sea of the Russian Federation at 12.23 p.m. yesterday. So, this is kind of typical of how a Vladimir Putin Russian military operates, flex their muscles, show everybody around the world that they're the bosses, the biggest in town. They're the ones we all need to fear because Joe Biden is being led by a very not all their guy, not a powerful human being, somebody that doesn't believe in military might, somebody that has a history of defanging the United States military, taking money away. We're going to see a lot more of that, folks. I promise we're going to see a lot more of that. 
And then there's that other power over there. They're doing the same thing. I'm talking about the nation of Iran. They hate us. We hear them, see them on television shows all the time. It it happens every year. People on the streets in Tehran, the capital of Iran, and they're crying out, waving banners, death to America, death to America. They hate us. They hate us almost as much as they hate Israel. They call the United States big evil. And they call Israel little evil. Today, Iran is claiming that the administration of this president offered to remove, listen to this, 1,040 sanctions that were imposed during Donald Trump's administration. They're saying that he volunteered to do that. Now, the original deal lifted sanctions on Iran, gave it access to billions of dollars in return for their commitments to slow their nuclear research and development for about 10 years. <laughs> Iran took our money, all the money, the last $400 million, flown over during the dark of night from the United States to Tehran, carrying all of that $400 million in cash. They didn't stop their nuclear weapons. They've been building it. They've kept right on going. And again, they they say all the time, every leader they've had for the last 25, 30 years has maintained, we want to destroy the nation of Israel. This leader that is about to take office, it was voted into office, supposedly voted into office, he executed Last time he was at the top of the heap in power, he executed 5,000 Iranians who didn't agree with his style of government in Iran. Not a good guy. Times of Israel said this yesterday. As part of nuclear talks in Vienna, Washington has agreed to lift sanctions on Iran's oil and shipping sectors, as well as to remove several senior officials from its blacklist. Iranian President Hassan Rouhani's chief of staff put out a news bulletin to this fact yesterday. All issues of insurance, oil, and shipping have been agreed, and about 1,040 sanctions from the Trump era will be lifted according to this agreement. Officials who would have sanctions removed included several folks from Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei's inner circle. Iran's incoming president, the guy I just mentioned, Raisi, Ibrahim Raisi has declared Iran will not agree to any restrictions on its ballistic missile development or its support for terrorism throughout the region as a condition to the resumption of the nuclear deal. Let me ask you this now. We know, we have evidence, factual evidence, that they've been for years developing nuclear, uh, they call it nuclear power for their energy assets, but they've really been aggressively working to develop nuclear warheads. They have already ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missiles, that they can just grab one of these nuclear warheads, stick it on the tip, and those ICBMs have sufficient ability to bring those nuclear bombs to anywhere in the United States. Now remember, 
I told you, started this story. They're dancing in the streets, screaming all the time, death to America, death to America, death to Israel. And this administration obviously has been discussing the removal, if they haven't already done it, of, according to this report, 1,040 sanctions that were put on by the Trump administration that have pretty much kept Iran tamped down. So we just heard about Vladimir Putin's Navy flexing their muscles, sending warnings to the UK. What's going to happen now? What's Iran going to do to send a message to the United States? You better give us all the stuff that we are supposed to have that your previous president blocked. What's going to happen there? Folks, we have chaos in the streets of the United States. We have lawlessness, law enforcement just blown away. In some cases, literally on the streets of these big cities across America. Gun crime, murders, all kinds of other criminality going up every day, every day, every day. And in our own Congress, we can't get anything done because all the left want to do that have control of the House and with the vice presidential being a Democrat vice president who breaks a tie, a 50-50 tie in the Senate, we can't get anything done. Meanwhile, everybody overseas sees our weak president in the White House, and they see a weakness that they can take advantage of. So why would we be surprised? Why would anybody be surprised to watch and hear and see them doing just that? They're taking every advantage. They're trying to do to the entire nation of America what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are trying to do with the people of America, which is seize control, put everybody else on defensive because you're afraid of what power they have. The United States very seldom in our history has been in that situation. The last time I remember it being that way was when Obama was president Biden, vice president. Obama talked a big game overseas, but he was very, very unliked in many capitals of our nations around the nation, uh, around the globe. And he certainly wasn't feared. Before that, it was Jimmy Carter. Isn't it amazing? We're talking about Democrats. Democrats are willing to give away everything. If you'll just like us, if you'll just give us opportunities, and, and let us do our own thing and, you know, we'll just let you do your own thing around the world and we won't mess with you. So don't mess with us. That's not the way people in these countries overseas that they're accustomed to fighting every day for life, very life itself. They look at us, you guys are soft. You have it too easy. We're going to take advantage of that for our benefit. And we know you're not going to do anything about it. Back after this at TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, foam. I smell the. I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. 
Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. Square Packages. The packaging specialists are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house, your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. Hey, folks, we got off the story about uh, the election bill yesterday that was dumped in the U.S. Senate, not even brought to the floor for debate. Republicans blocked it. And uh, the primary reason for it is conservatives around the nation are dead set against this entire thing. This they call election reform. And it's little more than the federal government reaching in and snatching the power to run elections away from the states, which is a constitutional way it's supposed to happen. I just found this moments ago during the break. Vice President Kamala Harris, she spoke yesterday to some people explaining to them what the Democrats, and she of course, were hoping and the reasoning behind their big, big support and pretty much their demands for this S-1 bill to be passed in the Senate so Joe Biden could sign it into law. Here's the pre- the vice president explaining to some people sitting around the room in the Oval, uh, not the Oval Office, but in the White House, explaining to them exactly why it was so important for this bill to be pushed forward. All citizens have the right to vote constitutionally. It is their right. What we are seeing are examples of an attempt to interfere with that right, an attempt to marginalize and take from people a right that has already been given. We are not asking for the bestowal of a right. We are talking about the preservation of a right. That is the right of citizenship. And it's that fundamental. It is that fundamental. And so when I look at that um, and the, the, the fact that Americans are at risk of losing their access to their right, they still have the right, but losing access to that right, we know we have a great challenge in front of us and therefore a fight, which is to fight for every American's right. Mm-hmm. meaningful right mm-hmm. to vote. Well, 
I thought it was a very lovely story. And you tell it so well with such enthusiasm. <laughs> Grandma weighing in there at the end sure epitomizes pretty much how Kamala Harris operates and always has. I mean, i got to be honest with you folks. She doesn't think too deeply, and she certainly doesn't think too much about people who differ with her opinions on things. But what you just heard was absolutely crazy. There are people that are trying to take away citizens' rights to vote. We are guaranteed in the Constitution, if we're a citizen, we have the right to vote. We're not asking people to give us anything. We just want to preserve every citizen's right to vote. If VP Harris would call in, here's exactly what I would tell her. Vice President Kamala Harris, thank you so much for being here with us today on this voter election integrity thing. I want to ask you, can you tell me of these 13 states where the legislatures have constitutionally gone in and tweaked and fixed some of their election laws? Can you give me some examples, some specific examples in which state it's happening in where the citizens of that state's their election voter rights are abridged by what part of each of these laws? Can you just give me one example? Well, of course, she would have to say, well, it's not one single example, Dan. It's just the collection of all of the abridgments that are included in all this legislation. And I would say, Vice President, can you give me one example of any of the abridgment of any state's election laws? And, of course, she would say, I'll have to get back to you on that. She would never get back to us on that because there are no examples, not a single one. Once again, I've asked and welcomed anybody that wants to come here and give our audience, if you'll come here live on the air, of course, everything is recorded here because it, it plays back on our podcast on Spotify and iTunes every day. So everybody will be able to hear what you say. But if you'll give us the specifics, we'll make sure that everybody Here's your explanations and examples, because if anything in any law regarding elections abridges a citizen of the United States' right to vote, it's breaking the Constitution, and it needs to be fixed. But you don't go to the federal government, you don't go to the Supreme Court to make changes or to attack any legislation that has been passed unless you have evidence to show that legislation is unconstitutional. And all we're asking is for you to give us some examples of that. They can't do it. They won't do it because it's not there. Moving on. Our great leader in medicine in the nation, Dr. Anthony Fauci, refuses to give up. He refuses to step away from the throne of being the smartest medical person on planet Earth and being the person who cannot be questioned. Whatever he says cannot not be believed. It's got to be believed by everybody. There's an edict from heaven. So Fauci said yesterday on the lead with my favorite anchor, Jake Tapper on CNN, 
Fauci said that any further COVID deaths in America are a painful tragedy because if people get vaccinated, dying from any coronavirus variant is avoidable. And then Jake Tapper said, so you also said today, Dr. Fauci, that the Delta variant is the greatest threat to progress against COVID-19. So if convincing folks to get vaccination doesn't work, is there any chance we're going to be able to eliminate this threat? Listen closely to Fauci's response. Well, certainly, if you have the substantial proportion of people not vaccinated and you have a variant like the Delta variant, which now clearly has been shown to spread more efficiently and to cause more serious disease, we absolutely know that from other countries, we've got the numbers from over there, then those people who are not vaccinated will be at risk and there will be more infections the way we're seeing. And with that will come serious disease and hospitalization. Did you follow all of that string of wisdom from Dr. Fauci? He wasn't done. He kept going. That's the reason why we're pulling out all the stops, Jake, about getting people, you know, going with local type of trusted messengers, even in those recalcitrant pockets of people who don't seem to want to get vaccinated. Tapper said, is it fair to say that the people who are still dying of coronavirus or in, in serious medical conditions are they almost entirely, if not entirely, unvaccinated Americans? Fauci said, yes, overwhelmingly so. That's the thing that's so painful, Jake. As a physician, as a scientist, and a public health person, that's entirely avoidable. That's really the tragedy when people don't want to get vaccinated for reasons they can't even explain. They just don't want to get vaccinated. For those who don't want to get vaccinated because they need more information, it's on us to get that information to them. That's what we're trying to do. But it's always, every death from COVID-19 is avoidable. It's a tragedy when it happens. So, if I had been Jake, I would have asked Dr. Fauci, so what did you say to the number one most powerful man on earth for 11 months, last year, 2020. That would be, say, to Donald Trump, who was president then. What did you tell Donald Trump to do that would save all these Americans that are dying, that died, 50,000, 60,000, whatever the number is, from COVID-19 since its inception? What did you say to Donald Trump that he didn't do? What did you tell, advise him and other medical professionals that had to be done, that wasn't done, that caused all these deaths? Dr. Fauci, what you're saying is people not listening to you killed a bunch of Americans. So what specifically did they not do? And of course, Fauci would come up with an answer. He would never say, I don't know. He would never say, and will never say, I was wrong. He'll never say, I shouldn't have said do this, or I shouldn't have said don't do this, and because of my saying these things or not saying these things, people died, and I'm sorry for that. He'll never say that. 
he doubles and triples and quadruples down on everything he's ever said because he refuses to be perceived as being wrong. Did you read the story that was posted yesterday on the front page of truthnewsnet.org? Did you read those stories? Those stories are factual. Nobody that I've been able to find except truthnewsnet.org published those stories which provide evidence, facts, that show Fauci and those who subscribe to his exact process and all of the do's and don'ts are dead wrong. And people are dying because of what Fauci said and because of what Fauci did and others like him. And the hard left and media, they just signed on benignly, not even questioning. We're going to report everything that you tell us, Dr. Fauci, and we're going to make sure everybody that reads and watches, they know that you're the COVID God and anybody that doesn't listen to you is crazy and they're going to die. So what about, what about those VARES people that have died because of getting one of the three vaccines that are approved for experimental use in the United States, Dr. Fauci? What about those people? What about those 4,000 people in Massachusetts that after they took the vaccination... They began to show the symptoms. They got tested again, and they got COVID-19. They didn't have it when they were vaccinated, but they got it. What about them? Where'd that come from? They did what you told them to do. Every one of them has a chance they're going to die from COVID now, and they had the vaccine. Same things happened across the nation. Conventional news media won't pick it up. You'll get that VARS report here every Friday from TNN Live. You'll get it day after tomorrow. Thousands of Americans who have taken the vaccine have died. Many of those thousands died because of adverse effects from your promoted vaccines. No answers. No facts. No evidence to back up what you just heard him say with Jake Tapper yesterday. And that's become normalized, folks. We just accept it. That's okay. And so the vaccines keep going on. They keep popping arms. So much so now that over 70% of people in California that are age 12 and over are fully vaccinated, 70%. That's according to Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday. According to the state's dashboard, 19 million statewide are considered fully vaccinated. Nearly 3.5 million more are considered partially vaccinated, waiting for the second jab. This news comes as the Biden administration admits it's not going to get to 70% their vaccination goal before the 4th of July. That's despite the White House's recent efforts to encourage mass vaccinations across the board. Efforts include teaming up with Snapchat, encouraging young teens to get vaccinated. Big companies are weighing in and they're giving stuff away. Microsoft's giving stuff away if young people will get vaccinated. So yesterday, the White House had a coronavirus task force meeting. Biden's coronavirus advisor, Jeff Zients, blamed young Americans, particularly those 18 to 26-year-olds, 
for falling short. He said, where the country has more work to do is particularly with 18 to 26 years old, he said. The reality is many younger Americans have felt like COVID is not something that impacts them. And you know what? I'm saying this. I'm interjecting this. They, they say that. They feel that. That's what the science says. Follow the science. Fauci trumpeted that for months and months and months. And then when the science disagreed with Fauci, he quit saying that. It's no longer follow the science. It's all follow me, Dr. Fauci. Where the country has more work to do, and again, this is Jeff Zients saying this, those 18 to 26 years old, they're impacting the overall stuff. They've got to fall in line. It's now more important than ever for them to get vaccinated, he said. Using the Delta variant, the latest scare tactic out there, and I'm not diminishing, I'm not diminishing in any way COVID-19. But did you notice when the vaccinations begin to slow down? Oh, there's another one out there, and it's worse. you got to get vaccinated. According to the CDC, their June 22nd data yesterday, over 150 million people are considered fully vaccinated in the U.S. That's 45.2% of the total U.S. population. Over 177 million have had at least one dose. That represents 53.4% of the total U.S. population. A lot of people have listened to Dr. Fauci. They've listened to leadership in Washington, D.C. A lot of them have. But you know who hasn't? You know where the biggest percentage of the dissidents of getting the vaccines come from? Come from the health community people that work in health care. More than 50% of those who work in health care, they're not just questioning the vaccination. They're refusing to get it. Hospital workers, a bunch of them at Methodist Hospital in Houston, one of the biggest hospital systems in Texas, several hundred of them refused to get the vaccine, which was mandated by their employer. They got fired. Why, oh, why are these people, people that work on the front lines, people that know more about medicine probably than Dr. Fauci, this particular part of medicine, why? He doesn't treat. He's not treated one single COVID-19 patient. People at Methodist Hospital in Houston, they treat COVID-19 patients every day. They're seeing it at ground level every day. Fauci may hear about it on a television show. He may read about it in some research journal. He's supposed to be the expert, and yet he's told us dozens of things that were proven to be false again and again. What about these healthcare workers that are refusing the vaccination? I've got some news about that, some more COVID-19 stuff, important stuff you probably haven't heard. That's up next here at TNN Live. Uh Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is, huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? 
I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie says... Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says... Your place needs furniture, and at this sale you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. See and hear it first at truthnewsnet.org. Now, what's the COVID vaccination news I have for you? You're gonna, you're gonna. This really should scare you. This hasn't been seen or heard. I didn't see anything or hear anything about it until during the evening yesterday. State of Oklahoma right now is considering legislation that if it's passed and signed into law by Oklahoma's governor, it would require every Oklahoman, every single one, would be required to get a COVID-19 vaccination. Now, there are a lot of things that immediately come to your mind and my mind when we hear this, if it happens, what this means. Right now, unless a state has in their labor laws that keep uh, a uh, employer from requiring specific vaccines, vaccinations, they can't make employees get it unless there's a specific requirement that they use to require employees to get that vaccine. That's what happened down at Methodist Hospital. There's a requirement there they have the ability to require their employees to get vaccinations. Public schools, many many states, you can't enter a kid in a public school that hadn't gotten those early childhood vaccinations. And you got to have the card where it shows when and what vaccinations they received. So what does this mean in Oklahoma? Can you imagine? Now remember the Constitution. It first and the Supreme Court are there to make sure that no government intervenes in the rights of the people. That's what the Supreme Court is basically there for. They don't make laws. They don't make rules. They interpret the rules that are made in government law at the state level around the country, and when a case comes to them fighting those laws, all they do, they don't weigh in on the substance of, 
of these laws that they're looking at. The only thing they are able to do legally is to look at a law and make a determination if it is unconstitutional. In other words, if it does something that the Constitution doesn't allow anybody, any state, any employer, whoever this bill is involved with, if they break constitutional tenets, then the Supreme Court steps in and stops it. So, just so you know, if the state of Oklahoma does follow through, if the legislature passes a bill that requires every citizen of Oklahoma to get a vaccination, a COVID-19 vaccination, if that happens and the governor signs it into law and it becomes law, it will be challenged immediately and it will end up going probably all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the determination of whether or not that bill will stand is only does it violate terms of the Constitution that give certain powers to the government. And if it doesn't specifically give that power to the government, then the government can't use it, make it up and use it. But if it's open, folks, they'll be able to do it. And again, prime examples. There are some cases that employers can mandate their employees get vaccinated today. It doesn't violate constitutional law, at least so far. Challenges are pending. So what I'm telling you is don't just automatically assume if you don't want the vaccination, you're not going to get the vaccination. It, in, in some cases, you have no authority to make that decision. Now you can do like these employees down at Methodist did and just leave work. Quit working at Methodist Hospital. A bunch of them have. And that'll continue around the nation. But if states create these mandates of vaccinations, and if you just simply want to be a citizen of that state, you're going to be required to get it. How are you going to handle that? There is so much up in the air still on this. And there always will be as long as this is hanging on out there. I'm not trying to scare you folks. I'm just trying to give you the truth and give you things to think about and do some research on your own to get facts. Now, while we were concentrating on the school board stuff in Loudoun County, Virginia, all day yesterday and last night, and then while we were concentrating on this S-1 election voter bill, title for the people that went to the U.S. Senate after it had already been passed in the House of Representatives that was going to just destroy the United States election system at the state level and give it to the federal government, where we all knew that it would just be turned into a way for the Democrat Party to seize power of the government, permanent power. It would never change. They would never give it up. We're concentrating all the, on all that. Let me tell you what you missed. And this is probably going to make you mad. Thousands of asylum seekers that have come across our southern border whose claims were dismissed or denied during the Trump administration, that policy that forced them to wait in Mexico, waiting in Mexico for their court hearings that would come from their filing for asylum. Those people that were required to go back to Mexico and they were turned away not allowed to come back to the U.S., guess what? The Biden administration is going to allow them to come back for another chance, and they're calling it 
a chance at humanitarian protection. That comes from Homeland Security. Registration for this return to America thing, it used to be return to Mexico. Now it's return to America. It begins today for asylum seekers who were subject to that remain in Mexico policy and either had their cases dismissed or denied. Think about that. Even people who came here did it the right way, which is file for asylum, and then they went back to Mexico where the Mexican government in partnership with the United States kept them in a conclave where they were kept safe, had health care, food, all that, while their asylum claim was being adjudicated across the border here in the United States. Even the people whose cases were denied in our courts they're going to be called back, contacted until you get back over here. If you want to do that, come on back over here. You can file another asylum claim, basically saying there's a new sheriff in town. We got a new boss at the top, and we're going to see to it and push hard. We're going to push hard to make sure that you're going to be allowed to come to the United States. Under their criteria now, it's unclear how many people are going to be eligible to be released here pending a decision on their cases. That's according to a senior Homeland Security official who spoke on condition of anonymity because the announcement had not been yet made public. But Michelle Klein-Solomon, the International Organization for Migration's Director for North America, Central America, and the Caribbean, told the Associated Press she expects at least 10,000 people to come back in because of this new Joe Biden edict. Her organization is working closely with the Biden administration to bring people to the border and ensure they test negative for COVID before being allowed into the country. And the estimate, it really seems low. There are nearly 7,000 asylum seekers whose cases were dismissed the vast majority of those in San Diego, more than 32,000 whose cases were denied, mostly in Texas. That's according to Syracuse University. It's unknown how many cases were denied specifically for failing to show up in court. Many are believed to have left the Mexican border region thinking their cases were over, raising the possibility they'll make that dangerous trek to return. The Now, let me, t- let me just tell you, You heard that. They're concerned. Oh, they're going to turn around. They're going to have to make that dangerous trek back up here to get their asylum claim refiled. Let me make a prediction for you. You know what's going to happen? The Biden administration is going to pay for them and provide them transportation to come back up here at taxpayer expense. I guarantee you that's going to happen. This is another effort to destroy Trump immigration policies that Biden administration officials and their allies say were cruel, were inhumane, and defenders say were extremely effective at discouraging asylum seekers from even showing up here. They don't have to come to the United States to file their petition seeking asylum, folks. They can go to any port of entry, go to any of our consulates or embassies in the state's in the countries where they live, and file there. Biden halted that Remain in Mexico policy day one in office. 
and soon allowed an estimated 26,000 of these asylum seekers that still had active cases to come to the United States while their cases play out. And we transported them back. Think about that. This, is, this could take years. It could take years. Our court system is packed, backlogged. Do you know how many cases are pending, these immigration cases? Take a guess. What would you say? 100,000? Maybe 200,000? Maybe a quarter of a million cases? There are 1.3 million such cases that are pending this morning in our immigration courts down south. Many of these asylum seekers whose claims were denied for failure to appear in court, they say they were kidnapped in Mexico. Others were too sick or scared to travel to a border crossing in a dangerous city. Sometimes they had appointments as early as 4.30 in the morning. Difficulty finding attorneys from Mexico meant that few of these people had legal representation in these hearings. That contributed to a measly 1.6% grant rate among cases that were decided. So, if we've got 1.3 million people whose cases are already pending, what is... I've got a calculator here. Let's pause for a minute. I want to figure this out. I want to figure this out. 1.3 million. I'm doing math, folks times 1.6%. Okay, if the percentage is worked out on these pending already 1.3 million cases, 1,300,000 cases, 20,800 would be the number of those that would be brought here legally. Do you know how much money you and I and other Americans have spent in this crazy process of creating, without even calling it, but creating open borders by the hard left. Estimates, and it's just an estimate. Nobody has any facts. $100 billion a year is what it costs, what we're spending to pay for this illegal immigration stuff. And we wouldn't have to spend a dime of that, folks, if we would just do one thing. What's that, Dan? What do we need to do? What can we get our government to do? Enforce the law. How does anybody in their right minds, how is anybody that is a true American, that believes in the rule of law, the U.S. Constitution, how can they think it's okay? How can they push supporting Lawlessness, and it's not just an immigration law, it's drug enforcement. It's criminal action on the streets of America. It's not being enforced. If the rule of law goes, folks, the United States of America, as you and I have known it for years in our lifetime, is gone. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. 
New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. George Orwell said freedom is the right to tell someone what they don't want to hear. Today, that's called the truth. At truthnewsnet.org. Here's Dan Newman. The right to tell someone something they don't want to hear. (laughs) Boy, you think that happens very often? And of course, often in this environment, when that happens, people go to blows. People go grab knives and guns. Anybody can say anything. You have that right. And that you can say anything but scream fire in a crowded theater, folks. That's been proven to be constitutionally protected as well, as horrible as it may seem. You could say anything. And we just encourage everybody, don't say anything that's not truthful, that is not being factual to get people to think about. We try to teach that. But it's not a federal crime if people go ahead and say it and it's rejected by others it can turn into criminal activity but itself is not criminal now tell you what with all of this craziness going on in the public school system critical race theory teachers teaching white kids to hate themselves I found a little nine year old girl she went in front of a school board meeting nine years old folks And she wants to talk about what the school board is doing and pushing and promoting itself, the school board and the school board members in her school, nine years old. Let's see, I was was six in the first grade, seven in the second grade, eight in the third. So she's probably a fourth grader. I want you to listen to what she had to say in front of the school board and listen closely. And then after that, we have one more kid I want you to hear talk about something a little bit different. Here she is. The other day I was walking down the hallway at Lakeview Elementary School to give a teacher a retiring gift. I looked up onto the wall and saw a BLM poster and an Amanda Gorman poster. In case you don't know who that chick is, she's some girl who did a poem at Biden's so-called inauguration. I was so mad. I was told two weeks ago at this very meeting spot, no politics in school. I believed what you said at this meeting. So at lunch, I went up to my principal to tell him about the BLM poster and that.
I wanted it down. He said it's not coming down. I was like, yeah, it is, because the school board said on May 25th, no BLM or politics in school. He said, that's weird. They were the, one who, they were the ones who made them. I was stunned. When I was here two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs. I said there should be no BLM in schools, period. It does not matter the color you make the posters and the font you use. We all understand the meaning. It is a political message about getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down while King Governor Welch just sits on his throne and watches. We all know. Changing the font or the color of posters does not change the meaning. I am nine years old and I know that. You expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing by making these posters? Come on, people. You have lied to me, and I am very disappointed in all of you. You cannot even follow your own rules. If you're going to do that, why do we follow any rules we deemed unfit or ridiculous? I'm not following your mask rule anymore, then. Get the posters out of our schools. Courage is contagious, so be courageous. Wow. Nine years old. <laughs> out of the mouths of our babies. And so there's also a bunch of kids a little older than that, almost to their teens, not yet. And they're really going after their school board. This is a different school board, a different young person, a 12-year-old boy. He blasts his school board about promoting diversity of skin color, but they're leaving white kids out of what they're teaching. Did you hear that? School board. School board is promoting diversity in their school system, diversity of skin color, but they're leaving white kids out. Listen to this 12-year-old boy. District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll take you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, he began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me, or half the kids that were in the class. Now, members of the board, I know you haven't been to school in a while, and I know most of the people, I know none of you, or most of you, don't have any kids left in the school district. Um, but you must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school, and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter. But hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. There are political signs all over RHS specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more. And it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone, which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement. But from the ex my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. Kids, folks, 9 and 12, 
And they have more knowledge, more intellect, more ability to interpret the facts than do those sitting in those chairs up at the top of the school board meeting that are elected, by the way, by citizens of this particular city or county. And they're supposed to be giving our kids education so they can best go out into the public when they get out of school and be happy, be free, and serve their fellow man. And yet, these kids are pointing out to their peers, these school board members, that you guys are all hung up in politics, leftist ideals, critical race theory, and talking about the diversity of skin color, but you're pointing out not everybody that's of a different skin cover uh, color is authorized to do that. If you're white, you got to go sit in the back of the bus. Of course, there was a time in American history during my lifetime, as a matter of fact, which that, that was very, very common. African Americans were treated horribly. There is no question about that. Other people of color, Hispanics, Asians, treated horribly. But you know what? You don't treat racism. You don't try to fix racism using more racism to make it good or better or to stamp out the first type of racism. You don't do that. You don't use the tool of hatred to try to stamp out hatred. You don't do that. You don't do labeling based upon race, sex, gender, any of that. You don't use that as a weapon to fix it. It doesn't work that way. And even more important than that, trying to do so is absolutely stupid. I can't think of another way, a better way to term it than to say it is absolutely stupid. Wow. Man, this is a big, big thing going on. It's probably even bigger than this voting bill that was not was chosen not to be even brought to the floor of the Senate yesterday to debate, yet alone vote on. So it's busted, S-1, that voter bill. This critical race theory, this dealing with people's skin color and making determinations, what would Martin Luther King Jr. think if he was alive today? He actually stood in front of a crowd, a massive crowd, on the mall in Washington. You remember that? His famous I Have a Dream speech? In that speech, he said he looks forward to the day when his children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their hearts. What was he really saying? He was a pastor. He was a minister. Content of their hearts. What is that? It's in the Bible, folks. It's in the Bible. From the hearts. In other words, what's down in a person's heart? what's inside them, what they've allowed, what they've adopted, what they believe is part of their psyche now because they chose to make it that. From all of that, that's what they speak. You can't hide what's inside, folks. It comes out. Look around your life, those in your lives. What do you see and hear from them? That's who they are. What do you say to them? You speak about and from who you are. I'm the same way. We're all that way. That's what we do. 
people aren't born racist. They're not born xenophobes. They're not born homophobe. All of the other isms and phobes. It's adopted. People have to look at it and choose to let it become part of who they are. That's the only way it happens. This systemic this and systemic that, 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 that's horse hockey. None of that works. And I tell you who's coming to life in all this. A bunch of people in the Democrat Party, they are. They're watching this insanity just unfold in a bigger, more egregious way across the nation every day. According to Politico, oh my gosh, you can't believe we're quoting Politico on this show. Politico is not a really good outlet for factual news and information. Anyway, according to them, Dimitri Melhorn, who's a political advisor to Megadonor and LinkedIn co-founder Reed Hoffman, is spreading the word up in D.C., inside the Beltway, obsession with what Democrats term voting reform, that bill, H.R. 1 in the House that was turned in, was passed in the House, turned into S. 1 in the Senate, that was trying to be brought to the floor for vote yesterday but failed. That reform bill is tying the party to failure when it needs success. Politico based its reports on what it said were Melhorn's emails and people involved in the discussions who weren't named. Melhorn said diehard supporters of the For the Act People, For the People Act, were dragging me and my country off a cliff. He indicated he might counter mobilize against their effort and his own party, the Democrat Party, which has yet to garner support among Senate Republicans, and it looks like it's not going to happen. Politico said the significance of the pushback was that Melhorn's emails are perhaps the first and the most vivid indication of a strategic fissure within the Democrat ranks over how much to emphasize the content of that bill. The report indicates there is a substantial level of disagreement over Melhorn's position, even though it's shared by a bunch of others and a call for Democrat Party unity on the subject. His position, folks, is not that the goals of that bill are wrong, but that pushing a bill that can't pass is wasting both time and what Politico termed political capital. Donors, this guy Melhorn said, would be disillusioned after pouring money into a failed effort. I would love to have nonpartisan redistricting and automatic voter registration, but I've not heard a plausible path to getting to that, one of his emails said. We can't remain silent forever as more and more donor meetings end up becoming exercises in unreality. Here's where I am and all this kind of stuff. There's division there. There's divisiveness there. There's disagreement there. Republicans see the same thing on the other side and all of their stuff. The consensus should be, yes, we have differences of opinion. Yes, I think my opinion is right and yours is wrong. But we live in a free country. We live in a country where we have an amendment to our Constitution just to inform everybody that you are okay having your opinion. I'm okay having my opinion. And we can agree Maybe just the only agreement we can reach is that we're going to disagree on this topic and on that topic. But that's okay. 
Why is it okay? Don't you have to reach some kind of place where you just got to go ahead and pass laws, right? Well, it's, it's not just that. Based upon the beginning of this conversation that we just started here, folks, if it was just that, everything would result in never getting done. Nothing ever gets done. The forefathers set up a government so that it was ruled by the people. Now, how does that work? Our election system. We choose the people that we want to represent us in Washington, D.C., those that create bills and then pass bills and presidents that sign them into law based upon what the people want, not what the politicians want. And there are millions of Americans that just don't understand. It's okay to disagree. But you got to reach consensus. And so what you do is you get together, you sit down and talk. Let me ask you this. Those of you who are listening who are married, have you ever agreed totally with 100% of what your spouse thinks or says? And have they ever agreed 100% totally to what you think or say? Sure, that happens from time to time, but it's not ever 100% because people are different. People have different points of perspective. People look at things in different contexts just because their lives are different. Their history, their backgrounds are different. And we learn and we create and accept mental processes, our thoughts and emotions, based on our different sets in context of the things that impact us. And so what you got to do is you got to quit putting others down you've got to acknowledge that they have the same rights to their thoughts and opinions as do you and expect them to feel the same way about you. Will we ever agree on everything? Absolutely not. Government doesn't, wasn't intended to, and doesn't operate in the United States that way. So again, (laughs) those who are in power, in places of power, and groups of power are teaching our kids. And people are in power above them that are making all the rules and regulations about teaching, curriculum, what's allowed, what's not allowed, what's good, what's bad. So during an interview yesterday on CBS, the president of a union, yeah, union people have tons of power. They all have perspectives, even in education. A woman named Becky Pringle, she's with the National Education Association. She's the president, that's a union, commented on efforts to limit critical race theory and other teachings on race in schools, public schools. She said that educators must ensure students are taught the truth. She said because when students are taught the truth, they have the creative imaginations about what they can actually do to make a difference so that they can actually confront the injustices that have been built into every social system within this country. So there, folks, in what she just said, and that was a quote, it illustrates two of the big lies. Number one, number one, that any one person or any two people have a unilateral right to and the ability to get and the ability to control the truth. 
She said those educators must ensure students are taught the truth. And of course, then when they're ever questioned about that term, well, what's the truth? You know what the current pat answer is. Well, you've got your truth and I've got my truth. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. The truth is absolute. It sits on a limb of a tree all by itself. Teachers are supposed to instead ensure that students are taught the truth and are explained by their educators what the differences are between people that believe the truth and people that don't believe the truth. That there are not two versions ever of the truth. Something's either fact or it's fiction. It's truth or it's lie. There's no gray areas, folks. There's no such thing as my truth and your truth. She continued, said, I can tell you as a teacher for over 30 years, this is what I know about my students. When they teach, when you teach them the truth, they have the creative imaginations about what they can actually do to make a difference so that they can actually confront the injustices that have been built into every social system within this country. In other words, there's another one. Systemic racism, it's built into, she said, every social system within this country. It's not, folks. It may exist within the people who work and live in these systems, but the system itself is not, cannot, will not, never has been, never will be systemic Anything, systemic racism, whatever you want to call after the word systemic. We should never underestimate our students' ability to not only learn about the complete and rich history of this country, but to come together with their shared stories and make sure that they have the opportunity to be those problem solvers we need them to be so we could confront the institutional racism that this country lives with every single day. And it's not just about history. It's about right now. This group of people, it's massive in number across the United States. They refuse to. They may not be able to, but they refuse to recognize this one thing. Truth is a zero-sum game. Now, what does that mean, Dan? What does it mean? Truth doesn't have parts of it that are a little less than the other parts of it or a little better than the other parts of it. Truth is absolute. Zero-sum gain, if you you believe that, what you believe is there's only so much truthfulness in the world. And so everybody that wants to hold the truth grabbing on the truth and keep the truth. You have to run to the bucket that contains all the truth in the world and you got to grab it. And nobody else, nobody else can come to that bucket after it's all been taken out. There's only so much truth out there. Nobody else can come over and get the truth. It's controlled by one specific segment of the society. It doesn't work that way. The truth fills that bowl. 
It does, no question about it. But when you go get some of the truth out of it, it refills. The same truth. There are multiple copies of the truth. The same truth. Truth. In other words, if the truth is the letter A, if I go to the bowl and I see a letter A and I pull it out, I'm not the only one that has access to the letter A. You can come to the same bowl and look over and there's a letter A there. You can pick that letter out and your kid can pick out the letter A. And your mother, your father, your school teacher, your boss, there's plenty to go around, folks. They don't think that, they don't support that, and they don't want that. Because if that is factual, which it is, they push away from the fact that they can't take over and control all the truth in the world. They want to live in an atmosphere where what they think is absolutely factual, and if you don't think that, whatever it is, and it doesn't matter whatever it is, they have a million thoughts and ideas. If they have those million thoughts and ideas and you disagree with one of them, you're an idiot. And then we go down the ism, the ism list, and I don't want to go down there, but I mean, you know, there's only so much to go around. And if I control it, you don't have the right to get it. So have you been keeping up with all of the aftermath, the, the, the craziness about the January 6th riot, Five, uh, 500 people arrested, roughly, 500 people arrested. No details, no names, nobody knows who, whatever, the FBI has been doing it. Well, they've arrested and some of these people have been charged. A bunch of them still haven't been charged. A bunch of them are being kept in isolation. We are told today that yesterday the fifth person a fifth person, four others, obviously, if there's a fifth, four others have already done this. A fifth one has pled guilty in the January 6th breach of the Capitol. Five people have now pled guilty to being involved in those events after a Tennessee man admits to an egregious act. I mean, a horrible act. He agreed to disorderly conduct. A guy named Brian Wayne Ivey pled guilty to one charge, parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building in exchange for three other charges being dropped. He faces up to six months in jail, a fine of up to five grand, a potential term of supervised release of one year or less, and restitution. Ivey agreed to pay restitution, $500, for the damages caused by the breach. According to an affidavit from one FBI agent, Ivy entered the Capitol through a broken window, attempted to help others enter the building. Once inside, Ivy was seen using a cell phone to record people milling around the Capitol rotunda. Ivy had also been hit with three other charges, including knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Before he pled guilty, he had been facing three years in prison. Four others previously pled guilty to being involved in the breach, two in the same charge as Ivy. Those are Jessica and, uh, Jessica and Joshua Bussell, who are a married couple from Virginia. 
They pled guilty to the charge, and they each face up to six months in jail and fines of up to six grand. Meanwhile, folks, Black Lives Matter, all those riots and protests and looting and burning and all that kind of stuff that has gone on all for a year in Portland, two years. And it wasn't BLM, it was Antifa, or it was BLM with Antifa. All those people, hardly any of them have been prosecuted. In fact, in some of those places, all the charges have been dropped against them. And those that haven't, remember our vice president, when she was senator, she started to fund to pay for the bail of those who were arrested in all those cities, Minneapolis, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, Washington, D.C. And of course, if you listen to Mayor Muriel Bowser, of Washington yesterday in testimony, she said they had one night, one night of protesting in Washington, which is nothing but BS. Because they had they had riots. I mean riots. Remember that video of that white guy that got beaten the head from behind, went to the hospital day after day, night after night. It wasn't just one. Hey, folks, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here every day. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget, if you want to grab this show, you didn't hear it all, no problem. We got it for you. You can download it from the home player page at truthnewsnet.org. You know, that banner over there where you click to come to the show live, the home page of that has a list of every show. You can click on it, download it, use it like you want. Or if you're out and about, you can get iTunes. You can get uh, Spotify. Our podcasts, TNN Live, are up there. Minutes after every show is finished, they automatically go up on that website. iTunes, Podcast, and Spotify. Until tomorrow, have a great Wednesday, folks. And remember, the best is yet to come. See ya.